This episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink. No one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends new cartridges before you run out. So you never have to think about ink. For details, visit hp.com slash instant ink Spotify. Conditions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this Chapter Tactics State of the Meta bonus episode. I am your host, Mr. PD Pop, and with me I have two amazing players, two top players. Maybe you've heard them around on the Art of War or on the Best in Faction podcast, which gives you a little bit of hint. Uh, we have with Mr. Jim Bessel. What is going on? And Mr. Colin Sherman. Hey guys, how's it going? So, if you listen to the episode of Chapter Tactics at the beginning of the month, you'll know that we're ramping up Las Vegas open coverage that includes more bonus episodes, and these State of the Meta episodes are going to be no exception. Today we're going to be talking about two super factions that not everyone is really talking about, although they should be on people's radars because they are very popular factions, and of course we're going to be talking about Eldar, specifically Colin's version of Eldar. Uh, and chaos as well. I know that's something that a lot of you have been asking about. There are a lot of chaos players. There are a lot of Eldar players. And in the Space Marine winter, uh, their good lists are few and far between and very difficult to find. But I brought on Colin, who has multiple GT wins with his Eldar list. And you can actually see in it in action, although I'm not sure if it's the LVO list he's going to be bringing. Uh, you can see his Eldar list in action on the Charity Hammer stream uh, that they just had this weekend on the 6th, the weekend of the 4th through the 6th, 4th, 3rd through the 5th. I'm, I'm, I just moved, so dates are all mixed up for me. 3rd through the 5th sounds right. Okay. Uh, and then, of course, Mr. Jim Vessel has been dominating Chaos with Chaos all year, with the exception of uh, one SoCal appearance and also uh, disappearance, where he was busy opening an entire restaurant. Um, so I think we can forgive him for that. Uh, but he's coming back, bringing Chaos with a vengeance. He and TJ Lanigan have some great things planned for the Chaos faction. We're going to be talking about it on this episode. Jim, uh, so, I, Jim, I like it that it was faster for him to call out the tournaments he didn't win. <laughs> uh, I mean, we don't have we only have an hour, Colin. <laughs> yeah. So, good. No, I was going to say that's that's yeah, that's funny. <laughs> All right, so uh, let's actually go ahead and talk about Eldar. It's it's fresh on my mind, uh, and I, I think I think that um, it'll be easier for people to look at Collins' list and and actually, I just want to talk about Eldar first. It's a uh, second in the alphabet, E after C. I don't know. I just have it here on my show notes. It's Eldar first, no real reason. But uh, so Eldar, um, I'm I. I know Dark Eldar, talking to Skari, talking to some Dark Eldar players, I know Dark Eldar in a rougher spot than they were at the beginning of the year, uh, and I, I don't see a lot of players taking Harlequins per the usual, although I think there is some play there with Harlequins. So Colin, uh, why don't you give everyone just a brief state of the faction for the Eldar super faction in general, and then we can transition that into your list and what you think Eldar have for tools to beat top metal lists like Space Marine lists. Yeah, for sure. So, 
Um, when Psychic Awakening came out, I was playing uh, Tau before that, and I was burned out. And I actually sold my Tau army to another Eldar player, uh, entertainingly. <laughs> and I uh, then read Psychic Awakening a bunch of times, read all of the Eldar books, and started practicing. Uh, I have on if you go to twitch.tv slash biffpod, you'll see that multiple times each week I was playing different Eldar lists into people trying to figure out what was good and what wasn't. Uh, I think that Harlequins got a lot of points reductions and they have a lot of interesting things that you can do. They're really an ally at this point. Uh, a mono Harlequin list is just going to be way too two-dimensional to, to survive in the incredibly killy meta that we're in. Uh, Dark Elder, I think, are in a terrible spot. Uh, you should ask Skari about that, not me, because I gave up on trying to make them work. They had, we had one trick out of the uh, Psychic Awakening I was excited about, and the FAQ nerfed it away. So that was pretty... Uh, that was pretty much it for me. Um, the Craft World models are actually my favorite. Uh, and I played a bunch of Yunari with mostly Craft World. Uh, actually, almost exclusively uh, Craft World stuff. So for me, it was pretty natural to go back to Craft World LR and just not do Yunari this time. Uh, there's a lot of really fun things you can do. Uh, unfortunately, most of the things are only fun if you're playing against people that aren't a new Marine player. And when I say new Marine player, I don't mean new to Marines. I mean one of the new Marine factions, the supplements. Uh, I made some lists that included 60 Guardians and the Avatar and a bunch of really good characters. I played the War the uh, uh, Warlock Conclave on bikes with uh, 18 Shining Spears. Uh, lots of really fun stuff, and unfortunately, all of it just loses to Marines. Uh, that being said, it's not all lost because Craft World Eldar is actually right behind Marines in the power. Um, if you talk to the Falcon stats-wise, Craft World Eldar... Um, has the second highest win percentage lately, uh, right behind New Marines. Um, I think the the tier power tier uh, literally goes New Marines, Eldar, Chaos, everybody else. That's what I'm seeing so far. Uh, I think if they were to nerf uh, the supplements tomorrow and left Eldar alone, we'd have a, we'd have a problem almost as bad as we have right now uh, with with the imbalance of power because uh, it turns out it, the if you just take a lot of guns. Eldar shoots everybody off the table. It's not it's not finesse. It's not high skill. It's not super close combat tactical like when I played GSC and Tyranids for all those years. But it is absolutely effective. So uh, before I talk about my list, basically I went to an RTT, a four-round charity RTT, like a marathon. Then I went to a GT. Then I went to a major. All three tournaments, uh, if you were not playing New Marines, we didn't have a close game. Uh, actually, that's not true. I had one really close game with a Necron player. That's an important note. But the rest of it, it was basically, is your Codex new Marine supplements? No? Okay, well, then I destroy you. Is it Marines? Okay, well, then we'll have a close game. Hmm. So that's, yeah. where, that's where they're at in the meta. So so what what does exactly do a uh, high-caliber shooting Eldar army look like? Like, what are you bringing? Is that just Guardian spam? Is it uh, fly, Flyers? What is it? Okay, well, I'm... For, let me talk about my list and also Chris Blackham's okay. list that he brought to Charity Hammer because uh, Chris Blackham's, I think, I don't know, top 10 in the ITC, and he and I played each other at the Charity Hammer RTT. Uh, so Blackham uh, and I both have three Crimson Hunter Exarchs, and we give those the five-up invault. Everybody's giving them the always hit on twos ability. You have to have a five-up invault because there's these things called space greens, and they have AP minus four last cannons, and those are a problem. And they have a lot of them, and you can't target them. So AP, so five up invul. Um, 
uh, three Crimson Dark Starks. We both have three Night Spinners. We both have two Wraith Lords with Missile Launchers. Uh, Night Spinners, if you have vehicles, are mandatory. If you're not running vehicles and they're your only vehicles, they'll just die. But if you have other vehicles that they need to shoot at, uh, then Night Spinners are amazing. Uh, they're indirect fire, which is really important. They pick up Primaris Marines really, really well. Frankly, I haven't ever shot them at something that they didn't do good damage to. Uh, Night Spinners, we both have two Wraith Lords with Missile Launchers. And then our lists get a little different from that. Uh, he's got three Nightwings, which is the Forge World playing with, with uh, the Double Bright Lance. Um, and he has uh, he runs Hornets with Star Cannons as kind of a, I'm going to run around the table and grab stuff and hold objectives and just be generally annoying because you can't afford to shoot me. Yeah, My list are... pivots there and has uh, Dark Reapers and support characters to support the Dark Reapers instead. Before I go into the why my list is different, the important thing to understand is that in both of these armies, we're taking ignore cover on almost everything, and everything in the army has expert crafters. Expert crafters is what you guys might know as the Salamanders reroll, or um, I think it's called Master Artisans if you're a Space Marine player. It's the ability to reroll a hit and a wound. The math isn't exactly right, but basically you can think of it as two more shots, is, is a way you can think of it. So those Wraith Lords have two missile launcher shots. With crafters, it's four. They hit on threes. You throw an Autark in there that has reroll ones. Now you've got four missile launcher shots that each you d6 damage, and they're rolling on. They're hitting on threes, rerolling ones. So that crafter's ability, combined with ignoring cover, uh, makes the Eldar shooting so stupid efficient that you just obliterate people. They just can't even hang against it. Um, and I don't. By the way, I don't think this is good for the game. I'm just telling you what it, what what the top top level competing. <laughs> looks like with Elder right now. Absolutely. So this is I don't like this. I well I, I like playing the game. I enjoy pretty much any list I take to a tournament. But I have much more fun when there's a more balanced list with close combat and stuff. And I've done a lot of testing and I just don't see an Elder list that uh works with that. Uh the reason I have Dark Reapers and Chris doesn't uh is that there are situations where you go second uh, I have a wave serpent as well. Where you go second against new marines. In particular Imperial Fists and Iron Hands. And in those cases, what I like to do is uh, try to survive. They're incredibly good first-turn shooting. And then what I do is I um, shoot all their indirect fire away. And then the Dark Reapers fire and fade behind from behind a wall the whole game. These Marine gun lines aren't particularly fast. The Iron Hands flyer list, which is kind of a three-night list. It's kind of a spoiler list at mid-tables, but won't. it's not going to win LVO. But the Iron Hand flyer list... I obviously can see them wherever it happens to be, unless there's a magic box. But the rest of these lists are like Dreadnoughts and Intercessors and maybe Impulsors, and you can kind of just keep them away from your Dark Reapers. So what happens is you lose as much stuff as you can. They run out of stuff to shoot at. The Dark Reapers just keep picking up kills. You keep getting kill and kill more, and they stop being able to kill your army. And that's worked for me over and over again as I've been winning these tournaments against Marine players. Uh, Chris prefers to not have any troops. I have Rangers and Storm Guardians. Chris prefers to not have any troops and just have more vehicles and just do more killing. And I, I, I think that's great too. Either way, uh, all of these, either of our lists, if you're playing into a player of average skill level playing New Marines, you probably beat them if you're good. Like the, the skill level won't, the, the power of the Marine Army won't make that person just wreck you. That being said, if you play someone good, 
and I mean good, I mean like a uh, someone who has won a GT in the last year, someone of that level playing Imperial Fist or Iron Hands, you have to go first. That's the meta. Uh, the You cannot go second and win. Um, if you watch the Charity Hammer RTT, in the same round, I played into Richard Siegler playing Iron, uh, play, uh, playing Imperial Fists, and Blackham played into uh, John Lennon playing Imperial Fists. And in both games, the Elder player went first, and in both games, the Elder player won a relatively close game. If either of us had gone second, the Imperial Fist shooting is so good that there's not really a game. So how good are Eldar? Right below Marines. Beat everybody else, struggle with Marines in certain situations. Really good list, really good player, and you went second. Okay. Now, uh, there's a lot to unpack there. Sure. Uh, I have some questions about your list in particular. First off, the Wraith Lords uh, with the missile launchers, are they comparable to what like Iron Hands bring or Improfist bring with like the Dreadnought character with the LAS cannons? Or do they just fall short? Um, I have seen people gravitating towards that Space Marine list, and it's oh, kind yeah. of interesting to see it in Eldar list as well. Well, the Chaplain Dreads are so good for their points that it, it would be an insulting comparison to the poor Wraith Lord. <laughs> now, the Wraith Lord is a cooler model, in my opinion, so I think that gives them a little bit of a a little bit of an up. Um, I love the I love all of the Wraith line, the Wraith Blades, Wraith Lord. I like think all that stuff's super cool looking. Uh, the Wraith Lord is significantly cheaper than a Chaplain Dread uh, with dual missile launcher. It's 120 points. I think the reduced price for the Chaplain Dread, Jim might know better than me. It's like 150, 160 now after its points went down, I think. It's 167 with the last cannons, which is what yeah. most people run them as. So that's like, you know, that's like 40% more, 30, 35, 40% more. Uh, the Wraith Lords ha can be shot. Their T8, which in Eldar is really unusual. Uh, so their T8, 10 wounds, 3 up save. Um, in my list and in Chris's list, they don't get shot at. Because you have, first of all, you have to shoot the Crimson Hunters first. Every, I know that. My opponent knows that. Everybody knows that. That's part of the deal. The Crimson Hunters, now that they've been buffed and they have crafters and things, they're just, they're shooting so efficient that they'll they'll table you if you don't kill them. So, and they, they were already good before, and now they're even better. Their points reduction, I just don't care. They're too amazing. So you have to kill the Crimson Hunters first. And while you're doing that, I'm killing things. T8 can become a really unique problem at some point. The yeah. Wraith Lords do another thing that's really important. Um, Eldar does not have punch. And if somebody comes in at me, into my my castle, my deployment zone, even if everything's flying, not having punch is still a significant problem. So, um, especially in the new Chaos matchups, uh, I find the Wraith Lords incredibly useful because they have four attacks with crafters that are getting rerolls. And their strength 7, minus 3 AP, uh, 3 damage flat. They kill Primaris Marines really great. They kill possessed uh, Chaos Space Marines really great. Um, they kill characters like Smash Captains and things relatively well, provided they don't roll. You have to jinx them and stuff, but they can get the job done. So they have this weird other job, aside from shooting 48-inch D6 damage guns. They have this other job of like wandering through the board and grabbing an objective or punching something or charging scouts. Or They're weirdly durable because of being T8. And a lot, and because other than last cannons, everything else that shoots at them is usually strength seven, because that's kind of the meta. You either have last cannons, or you have auto cannons, or assault cannons, or heavy bolters, or or thunderfires, or whirlwinds. Like, there's lots of strength seven that's wounding them on fives. Okay. Yeah, that's really cool. I, I'd never thought about using the wraith lords before. Um, I, I actually I thought they were nine wounds, but I guess I guess that isn't the case. They do great, even. Yeah. Which is actually really annoying on a 10-win model. 
so um do you think that there are other uh eldar lists or maybe mixed eldar lists that can compete with the these similar kind of elements uh, have you ever considered adding in harlequins or dark eldar um instead of like the dark reapers or the characters or is it just pure craft world eldar is that just the absolute top tier uh eldar list you can bring well, I'm, I've never been much of a Harlequin player, so I don't want to insult any Harlequin players out there. Um, if there's stuff to be added from Harlequins, I don't know what it is. Um, the Solitaire is cool, but I don't want to take a whole detachment to get him. I've never been a big fan of Death Jesters, which are very... The common thing, of course, is a Supreme Command that has the Solitaire and two Death Jesters in it. Uh, I'm sorry, that's not, that's a Vanguard. Uh, the two Death Jesters, the Solitaire, and a Shadow Seer. That's a bunch of points for characters. Um, eliminators are pretty scary. Um, there's also stratagems that let Marines shoot at your characters. I just don't really want to have a bunch of fragile characters running around. Um, there, I think there's play in the giant units of Harlequin troops, but I've never been able to make that work. Um, Dark Eldar, one list that is seeing some play is putting the the, the Warlock Conclave, uh, which now can auto-pass its powers with the right, the right uh, collection of special abilities, so you can know that 100% you're going to cast quick in that turn, which changes everything about that list. Um, Conclave with a ton of grotesques and racks is a list that uh, Nick Donavati took to a GP. Uh, Chris Blackham is playing it. He played it on our stream at Charity Hammer. Uh, it is, uh, that list is super cool. It's pretty fun. Um, unfortunately, there are certain matchups that are common in the meta that it just is going to get railed by. Uh, for example, it really wants nothing to do with Tau. Uh, whereas um, I'm three and zero in tournament play against Tau with my Eldar, uh, because I just the I outrange them and outshoot them, and all the drones die, and then the Riptides explode. So um, I don't know how good that list actually is. I haven't played it very much. Um, I think Shining Spears are amazing now. Um, again, you can you can know that you're going to succeed at passing Quicken. Shining Spears got so much cheaper that there's almost no other close combat unit for Craft Old Eldar uh, that's competitive if you compare them. So like that's a thing, but I'm not. I'm I'm I. There's too much craft world stuff I want to play with to be drawn to Dark Eldar right now. Like I would love to have Shining Spears in my list. I would love to have the Conclave in my list. Like I I like Falcons now. Um, I like Warwalkers. Like there's a bunch of stuff that was never that at least has not been good in the time I've been playing competitively. Uh, that fits and is neat. Um, so yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. Right on. And then uh, one final question. Uh, you alluded to it a little bit with Tau. Uh, we have Richard Siegler and Brian Poulin, obviously two phenomenal players who've been dominating with Tau all season. Do you think this rise of these Eldar shooting lists is going to give Brian and Richard a hard time? Or do you think they'll be able to adapt quickly enough in time for the LVO? Well, those guys are basically high-performing robots. So <laughs> I don't I don't know about them. Um I do know that Sigler's not. Uh, it doesn't sound like Richard Sigler's going to take uh, Tau to LVO. Yeah. Um, so that tells you a lot. He's a very. He was. I spent um, from Wednesday to Monday with him. Uh, he's an incredibly smart dude. Uh, wonderful to spend time with. And uh, if he thinks that he should not take Tau, that's really bad for Tau players. Uh, because I think, with no disrespect to Brian Poland, who I I don't have experience playing. I've played Sigler. I haven't played Poland. Uh, there's no, there's there, there aren't Tau players that are as good as as Richard Richard is. Like, I just haven't seen that. So if he doesn't want to take them, that's a big deal. What we're seeing in our local meta is that new chaos is an even bigger problem for them than Eldar is. So Jim might talk about that 
in just a minute. But I think that the Eldar list just outshoots the Tau and kills drones too quickly for the Tau to hang with. Um, I played, if you guys would like to see that, round one, I play my buddy Zach Nelson, uh, who plays uh, um, Tau uh, in the RTT, and he got everything he wanted for the mission, a table that benefits him, everything, and he got hold more and bonus for five turns, and I tabled him on turn six and one. Jeez. So, like, I couldn't keep up on the mission at all because he had so many drones all over the, and different units and things all over the table. But in the end, he, his list couldn't survive the firepower. Uh, so I think Tau is in actually a lot of trouble. Uh, I'm glad they didn't get nerfed. Because if they'd been nerfed and chapter-proof like everybody wanted, they would be dead. And that would be really sad. Because I think they're actually a really neat army that is unfairly hated because their mechanics can be frustrating to play against. Yeah, and as we talked about on an earlier chapter tactics episode last year, uh, they really only have three three good units right yeah. uh the shield drones commanders and riptides and the rest of the army is just uh mediocre to average i, I would i would say cadre fireblades but i'm with you oh yeah uh, yeah i played Cod- a bunch of tau this year and it's it's a it is a unfairly treated army on the internet uh absolutely it is, it is not easy to play if you think it is you're wrong it is incredibly technical and very methodical and um i actually stopped playing it because i got i was tired of making tiny movement mistakes that cost me games. <laughs> All right. Uh, so let's go ahead and transition into uh, Jim. Uh, Jim, I know you've been sitting pretty and quiet, analyzing what Colin's been saying. Uh, now let's talk about Chaos. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chaos, I think, are probably the more uh, versatile Dark Horse faction. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're the one I'm the most excited to see at the LVO. Uh, the Falcons have <laughs> been giving me some good stats on, uh, for example, Thousand Suns are have an interesting role now in that they have a good, they're getting good win rates against some of the top contenders like Space Marines. Uh, there's still these weird lists that we haven't even seen yet. And on top of that, there are some really good dedicated Chaos players uh, that usually are known for coming up with strange chaos lists that can easily steal a top eight at the spot at the LVO. So same question. Uh, give us a rundown of the chaos uh, of the chaos super faction and how it pertains to the Las Vegas open, what people should look out for. Maybe talk about some key units, key lists. And then um, I know you haven't decided what LVO list you're going to bring, um, but what are kind of some of the things on your radar uh, for bringing to the LVO that you want to use? Yeah, so I think um, I think the first thing to understand with where chaos is right now is that uh, I think most of the chaos players, uh, myself included, TJ included, uh, more solely included, all these other really good players, we're all playing very different lists than we did from the start of the season. So um, you're not going to necessarily see, you know, I think the the, the plague bear plague bear list is is basically uh, uh, dead. So you know, don't have to worry about that. Um, I think faith and fury uh, brought a lot to the chaos super faction. Um, and really, where kind of the strength of chaos is right now is that there actually are a lot of different builds as well. So because of the mix of uh, demons and chaos space marines, um, a lot of the the I guess counter meta stuff that's really good against marines doesn't necessarily work against chaos space marines the same way it does um, for regular marines because a lot of chaos lists don't have um, don't have regular chaos space marines uh, or intercessors uh as troops you know a lot of them are running demons heavy on on things like nurglings i think you're gonna see a lot of nurglings probably probably nurglings i think will probably be the most uh chosen troop choice uh, besides intercessors or or infantry squads so i'm excited to see those stats 
Um, you're also seeing a lot of um, cultists have come back now that they're back to four points. So having you know 30 cultists is, is, a, is a pretty standard in a lot of lists to, to, for those CP. And then chaos really is, the strength of chaos is really in their characters and their elites. So, you know, uh, Marines, you know, you don't think of Marine Army as being built around the characters, whereas Chaos is really built around the characters. So, um, you know, as far as, as far as like kind of combos and things that uh, I would really, you know, be watch out for. So, you know, one of the strong lists right now is uh, the kind of Possessed Bomb. I know that's been kind of making the rounds a little bit. So definitely having a way to deal with Possessed, especially unshootable Alpha Legion Possessed. So you're thinking a unit that will have minus three to hit from shooting. Uh, and then even if you do end up having them be the closest target, uh, they're minus three, but otherwise they're untargetable. So you're, you know, Colin has it right with, you know, Night Spinners. I think artillery out of line of sight shooting is going to be really, really key um, to bring to LVO because uh, there's a lot of lists that use out of line of sight uh, either offensive units like Thunderfires or defensive units like Nurglings. And if you don't have a way to kind of, circumvent those or deal with those i think you're gonna have a, a very hard time because almost all the top lists have have some amount of either defensive out of line of sight units or offensive out of line of sight units so you need to be able to kind of interact with those if you're stuck in a game say where you can't actually get to those units in any way there's no way you're going to be able to get to them it's a very very uphill battle for you so just understanding you know having um having tools to deal with that stuff i think is going to be really important um, so the Possessed Bomb definitely, I think, is is something that you're going to see Alpha Legion Possessed. I think you're going to see that. Um, and, you know, that that bomb can be very nasty with all the buffs, and it shreds Marines really, really bad. Um, the, uh, the the buff stacking you can do, especially with, with Nurgle Possessed, uh, can get pretty out of hand, where basically, um, especially stacked with Death of the False Emperor, which I think is another kind of Dark Horse ability that Marines have against uh imperium so i think there's gonna be a lot of imperium and chaos excel against imperium because of death of the false emperor um it's very it's, it's kind of it's not underrated i think good players kind of know about it but there's there's definitely some some combos now so to give you guys an example night lords um night lords have two different stratagems that can give your units plus one to hit and then you can stack that with prescience for plus three to hit so if you say put in a night lord smash captain or a unit of Night Lord Terminators with plus three to hit. They're proccing Death of the False Emperor on threes, um, which is which is pretty disgusting. So they're getting extra attacks on threes. Um, so that just turns a unit like uh, into a blender, a bit of a blender, um, and especially the characters as well. Um, so I think Night Lords is a really strong. Um, I think you see a lot of Night Lords. Uh, the other kind of books from Faith and Fury that I really like are uh, Emperor's Children because of the. Um, the, term, the Emperor's Children Combi Plasma Bomb, I think you're going to see a bit of a return to that. Um, that It can basically drop down and, and drop uh, 40 uh, Strength 8 AP, AP3 2 damage shots and then basically auto-charge a third target thanks to the new stratagem Honor the Prince, which lets you turn any of your dice rolls on a charge into a 6. So basically, as long as you roll a 2 or better on one of your two dice, uh, you make the charge. Uh, or sorry, a 3 or better on one of the dice, you make the charge. Um, so I think it ends up with like a 90, 92% or 98% charge, charge rate or something crazy like that. Um, so definitely, uh, you know, chaos right now, the only the, the strong chaos lists are going to really focus around uh, being unable to shoot them or because you can't see them or because of stratagem use or because of 
deep strike. So you're going to see a lot of chaos that's going to go heavy deep strike. So we're talking Terminators and deep strike, Smash Captains and deep strike, Demons and deep strike. You're going to be talking about things like Nurglings hiding behind things out of line of sight so you can't shoot them. You're going to be talking abusing things like the character rules and Alpha Legion strats and heavy modifiers to make them un untargetable. Those are all a lot of the different kind of tools you're going to see. And the reason that Chaos has to go that way is, you know, as, as Colin said, is the game is so killy right now. Uh, Marines are so killy from an offensive standpoint. You cannot, you cannot play a slugfest with them. So you cannot build a Chaos list that stands in front of them and tanks their shots. The only way you're really going to be successful is by hiding and, and stacking heavy, heavy modifiers to hit, like minus three to hit, or making units completely untargetable. Um, and then using using tricks like psychic powers, character character targeting shenanigans, uh, deep strike to basically avoid the alpha strike and be the be the alpha strike yourself and come out of come out of hiding essentially and kind of have that deadly turn. Um, you're definitely not going to be able to run a traditional list like the plague bear list, which literally would just you could never not hide that army like it was always there and it would get shot and you just tank it and. Uh, now marines just have so much firepower that like and, and eldar as well as a concept that there's just no option to actually take that much fire you have to really be uh hidden and and hard to hit um, and i think you're going to see a lot of chaos lists um build around that and i think you know everyone's everyone's building to kill marines but not the a lot of the tools that kill marines don't necessarily kill chaos so i think where you're going to see chaos shine is in a lot of matchups where someone maybe tech too too much into killing Marines. Uh, maybe they have a lot of AP, you know, high AP, uh, high AP, like high damage weaponry, and they're shooting cultists or they're shooting, um, you know, or they're shooting minus three to hit possessed bomb, right? Where they're just not going to get any sort of return. Um, and Chaos, Chaos is still primarily a melee army, but, you know, obviously obliterators are still good. Um, Nick Nick Nanabadi will agree uh, disagree. He yeah uh, he hates he hates obliterators, uh, and he'll tell you that every, all day every day. Jim, it's almost but, irrationally so. Like it's, yeah. almost, it's almost like they can lower their points by another like fifty points a model, and they could still be like, no, they're terrible. Yeah, I think he's had a traumatic experience with obliterators, or they like they maybe abused him as a child or something. Like he just hates them completely. So, um, so yeah, so I think that's where you're going to see a lot of the chaos builds is in is in is in super tough, hard to hit, hard to see. Uh, or things that just aren't even on the table, um, and then kind of springing out and having that very devastating um, kind of alpha uh, alpha strike or uh, really hard hitting turn. And then also, there's now three different ways chaos can stop you from falling back. So you have the mirror, uh, you have the Ashenax from Word Bearers, and you have the Night Lord's uh, stratagem that this allows infantry from falling back. So you have three different ways to keep people in combat. <laughs> which also plays into that whole idea of not being able to shoot stuff because um, they're either locked in combat or they're untargetable or they're characters. So you're going to see a lot of shenanigans um, around locking you in combat. And if you're playing against Chaos and you don't have a plan on how to, how to get your units, essentially ex uh, ex extract them from combat, um, whether because they've been Ash and Axe or Tri-Pointed or, um, or kept there with the Mirror, I think you're going to have, you know, those are checkmate moves. Those are, those are kinds of moves where games are won and lost on a unit falling back, uh, where you can basically put yourselves into positions where you, you win the game and there's nothing the opponent can do because literally they either can't shoot 
or can't fight the things that you have on the table because you've made them basically untargetable and un, un, unshootable. Um, and if you can get your maneuver your opponent into that, that's any opponent, Marines, Eldar, Tau, uh, it's like, it's like a checkmate. Like there's no, there's no like counter to it unless, so, well, there is counters to it, but if you can't counter it, it can be kind of like a checkmate move where it basically just, the game is over at that point. Yeah, and, and uh, you do see a lot of Space Marine players and, and uh, players that are moving away from heavy fo heavily focused close combat armies. So I could definitely see that being a serious issue for them. Now, do you think Chaos players or should or will bring all three ways to lock them in combat? Because that is also a heavy detachment investment. you got to bring something for the Contorted Epitome. you got to bring something for the Night Lords guys. And then um, it, it's just it's a heavy investment. So do you think... Cast players are going to bring all three, or maybe like two out of three is good enough. No, I don't think so. The thing with those kinds, so first of all, I mean, you don't want to take both Night Lords and Word Bearers. I think mm -hmm. one or the other. So I don't think you'd ever see those. Now, there's an argument that can be made of Night Lords with demons, like a mirror, or Night Lords with, um, uh, or or demons with Word Bearers. The mirror is the strongest of them all, uh, in the sense that it it can work against flyers, so it can crash your flyers. None of the other ones crash flyers. None of the other ones work on vehicles. So by by and large, the mirror is the most powerful. Um, with that said, like a single unit of eliminators will pick up the mirror in like two seconds. Um, so one of the the downsides of the mirror is that it's it's t t six with a five with a six plus armor save. Um, so like you know two units of eliminators will basically or a unit of uh, intercessors with the three CP stratagem that lets them shoot uh, character can pick up your mirror very quickly. Um, so that's why the night lords has a little bit more play because you can bring that, those models out of deep strike into situations. Um, and obviously, uh, you know, so, so, so that's where I'd say the Night Lord stratagem has a little bit more play. But again, the Night Lord stratagem isn't amazing because, um, you know, you're going to have to get very close. Um, so I, I don't see them bringing all of those tools, but uh, definitely at least one, one, you know, if you're playing Chaos and you don't have one of those three, I'd say, I'd say uh, bad form. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know I'm not the interviewer here, uh, Pablo, but I really like to ask Jim a question. Sure, of course. Uh, J Jim, the uh, in my you know I play Chuckatom, my co-host, mm -hmm. and in our test games, I've been super unimpressed with the um, the what are they called warp talents coming in and trying to and mm -hmm. trying to wrap, trying to stop people from flying back. It just seems like there's still a armor save three T four one one model, and it's just punching or smiting. They're just gone. Do you? What do you think of that? Do you think that that's actually a great tool, or do you think that it, people are overhyped about it? Yeah, I don't. I don't actually think warp pounds are very good. Um, okay. I think uh, they're a bit of a trap, as far as, as you mentioned, they you get one turn out of them, um, and then they're dead. So you know, if someone has five close combat scouts, they charge in. That's seventeen attacks. That <laughs> yeah, basically picks so up half dumb. the unit. So, um, or you know, a smite and then throw a smite in and then th throw in, you know five close combat scouts with with seventeen attacks. Or a unit of five intercessors, or a unit of ten intercessors with a thunder hammer. Um, you know that unit's dead. So I definitely feel like, yes, it's a good unit, but it's kind of a bit of a, a suicide bomb. Um, and I think the other thing is too, because it's so, so it's, it's a fairly large unit. The way that you can, where you can place it is limited. Uh, whereas having, you know, I'd much rather have a chaos lord, uh, like a night lord's chaos lord. Uh, with a jump pack doing the exact same thing, but now all of a sudden um, he's a single model. So the way I position him, I can be a lot more creative with with his positioning, so that maybe I can't get countercharged. Um, so I definitely, and again, it's a, a lot less points investment and a lot more utility in other ways. So 
I definitely don't feel great about that warp talent bomb. Um, it's not something that that um, I would run. Yeah, it makes sense to me. Okay, uh, so Jim, um, what are what about some of the other chaos factions that uh, you didn't mention? I know you mentioned a lot of chaos space marines, some chaos demons. Uh, do you think, uh, I for example, the Bash Brothers lists that you saw, Maggie Morty mm-hmm. uh, lists that you saw kind of in Nova and kind of towards the middle of the season, do you think those lists will have a chance too? Or do you think that any big kind of stompy lists like Renegade Knights and stuff are, just won't do well in this meta right now? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say. I think the problem is is a lot of the tech which everyone's bringing that works against Space Marines works against big things. So it works mm-hmm. just as well against big things. So we're talking... Um, you know, Crimson Hunters. We're talking uh, anything that is Imperial Fists, which literally just shreds vehicles so quickly. Like it's it's super scary when you're getting shot by damaged three Stalker Bolt Rifles uh, from Intercessors. Like that's I, I had a game against John Lennon this weekend. My Heldrake uh, got hit with Overwatch, got hit four times. Um, sorry, and just regular shooting by five Intercessors, hit four times, four wounds, failed four saves. That's twelve damage. Right, so that's like the amount of and and like yeah, they just the amount of vehicle killing there is right now. Unless your vehicle, I think, is out of line of sight, can hide from line of sight, or has some crazy amount of survivability, like a plague Rose crawler, which is T eight five plus five plus. Um, I think even knights, um, you know, almost every list has some equivalent of a smash captain. Um, you know, I know Austin Wingfield did very well at the pro tabletop event, but he built that list very specifically with the terrain in mind, which was tall enough to hide a knight uh if the lvo and so if socal terrain and you know bao terrain is anything to go by um the lvo terrain is not going to have the ability for you to hide a mortarian or a magnus or a knight which means you know turn one that thing's getting picked up and and shot so um you know i definitely think there's some play with chaos knights still but chaos knights it's very you know i think chaos knights can go five and one maybe four and two um i don't think they have the you know they run into a tau matchup and they lose to tau easily like almost automatically yeah um, you run into um a raven guard centurion list or white scar centurion list and you lose that game too you run into an imperial fist list you lose that game too so the amount of um and those are all very common armies those aren't like you know it's don't not forget, like running into a large gym Sorry? Don't forget how much they don't want to they don't want to mess with Eldar. Yeah, well even Eldar, like I said, Crimson Hunters, a unit of Dark Reapers picks up a knight a turn, basically. Um so, you know, those lists have play, but they're super matchup dependent. And um, you know, at the end of the day, I think knights in general are kind of going out of vogue due to the fact that, you know, everyone's kind of learned how to play against them. And because the Marines the the meta skewed so much towards killing Marines, you know, that's that's high high AP, high damage weaponry which works really good against, surprisingly, against knights. We have high AP, high damage weaponry. So people are bringing those tools to kill marines, and those tools kill knights like just as well. Okay. Uh, so I think that's pretty much it. Uh, what about, what are you looking at in particular for your own personal play style? Uh, I know you haven't decided your list, and you don't have to give any too many secrets of the trade, so to speak, um, because the list submission deadline hasn't actually come out yet. Uh, but what are some stuff that uh, you want to look at in particular? Maybe you're thinking about building. Sorry, you know. me, me or you, Colin? Oh, you, Jim. Sorry. Yeah. So right now, I um, I'm I'm leaning towards some some version of uh, the possessed possessed bomb. Um, I think it's got the ability to kind of stop you from being able to shoot it is really strong. Um, it can really bully the middle of the board. 
Um, and then, you know, that gets mixed in, you know, right now I'm back and forth between Thousand Suns, Word Bearers, or Night Lords as my, my, my third kind of detachment here. Um, I think at the end of the day, like, um, you know, I think though a Chaos can definitely make the top eight. The question is, um, you know, LVO, and this is the thing about LVO, like, you know, a lot of people are saying like, oh, like so-and-so is not going to make the top eight or so-and-so is not going to make the top eight. I'm like, yeah, most players will not make the top eight. In fact, like over 99% of players will not make the top eight. So, you know, even if you're an excellent player, you won multiple GTs, you won majors, there's a very good chance you're not going to make the top eight either. So there's a very small amount of people that are going to make the top eight. You know, assuming a thousand people show up, eight out of a thousand, I don't know what that percentage is, but it's it's very, very low. Um, um, and I think the thing to think about is that uh, some of those people, just like you mentioned on chapter tactics, one person might make the top eight that had really great matchups and just ha hit all their matchups right away, right? Um, yeah. With a thousand people, you could actually go, you could have five actually fairly easy games. You could have four or five fairly easy games and then only hit a hard game on your sixth game. And if that sixth game is, say, the right matchup and or you have a matchup advantage... You could all of a sudden find yourself in the top eight. Likewise, you could go through a Nick Nanavati, a Sean Naden, uh, round two, round three, round four, right? So some players are going to have that kind of um, that that lucky run, I guess. Um, and I bet you there'll be one of those at least in the top sixteen uh, going into the shadow round, where someone you're going to be like, "Who on earth is this player, and how did they get here?" And the reason I bring that up is because kind of going back to my chaos is, you know. I think that the strength of Marines right now is that, you know, a strong Imperial Fist or Iron Hands list, they have play in every game, but there's definitely some, some matchups, and I'm sure Colin would agree with Eldar. There's some matchups where if Chaos goes second or if Eldar goes second, there, there's nothing you can do. Like, it doesn't matter yeah. how good of a player you are. If the terrain isn't exactly in your favor and the deployment isn't exactly in your favor, uh, there's just certain matchups against good, and again, they have to be a good player but you're going to hit those matches. So for me, um, with my chaos list, um, you know, I, I'm trying to bring something that I feel is strong against as many people as possible, but I definitely, you know, un un unfortunately, unlike Marines, there's just not, there's not one list that is going to be amazing against every other list. Um, there's, so, you know, someone could show up with, you know, everyone's thinking about um, Marines, but like, what if your third round you hit a Gene Sealer Cult player that no one's really been practicing against, no one's really been teching against, all of a sudden you hit Gene Sealer Cult and they just have that kind of off-meta list with just the right tools to defeat you and, and all of a sudden you're like, crap, you know? So that's, that's a very real possibility for a lot of players. And so I think, uh, you know, I think, I think LVO, I think what I love about LVO is the uh, unpredictability. You know, most tournaments, you can go and look at the list of players attending and with fairly fairly good certainty, say who's going to be the top five tables. Um, I think with LVO, it's it's such a it's such a um, you know it's such a wild card. Just and you know it suits Vegas, right? It's it's it's, it's literally a roll of the dice. Like you know you're going to have your players that you're definitely going to be favored. But I know last year there was you know Nick didn't make top eight. A uh, lot of great players got eliminated, didn't make top eight, um, and that's just the way it goes sometimes. Yeah, yeah, and then um. Uh, I know two years ago when Mark Wright, the Blood Angels, the pure Blood Angels player, made the top eight at the LVO, um, he beat some really good players on the way up. Uh, that had I think he beat uh, like Brad Chester, 
you know, it's just some phenomenal, like phenomenal potential top eighters on his way to the, actually, I don't think he beat Brad either way. Um, he beat some players just randomly that, that, you know, he had some lucky matchups. He knew how to win. He had the right kind of list. Um, and you will certainly see that Delvio as well, too. Uh, we definitely won't know every list. And the other cool thing about these random lists that you see at Delvio is that they're usually not bad players running them, right? So mm-hmm. it's not like you're at a local RTT. You've got little Johnny with his jeans or cult list that he finally managed to put together. Uh, you know, you've got a guy who's seasoned, experienced, maybe he wants to bring this fun Dark Angels or Grey Knights list, but he's a guy who's serious enough to fly to Vegas and wants to go four and two at least. Yeah, that's that's probably the most common type of person at the LVO is is the guy who wants to go four and two, who who's up to date, who's mm-hmm. not incompetent, right. and has a an off medalist. Yeah, and and just to add to that, like I played Adam Camilleri, who's like the big one of the biggest beauties I met uh, this weekend. <laughs> And he played Admech, Dark Angels, and Tempesta Scions, which is, from all accounts, so a weird. shooting army. And he literally bum-rushed me with his entire army and had breachers in my, like, deep in my deployment zone turn one against my, my, my Raven Guard. And, like, why I tell you that story is, like, I don't think anyone in North America plays that way. Like, the way that he plays is, like, completely different than people that are probably used to playing in North America as far as, like, the kind of tactics, strategy, and whatever. So I'm very excited to see what, you know, some of the guys from the UK do. Uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing how Manny does and, you know, some of the other guys, uh, Matt Morisoli coming from Oz. Like, those are the guys that I'm really watching for because not only are they the good players and they have good lists, but their play style is is a lot different than people are used to. And so a lot of the, like, kind of classic blunders or the classic, uh, (laughs) like, moves that you'd see or the classic ways of playing people are going to be thrown off guard by that because they're not used to seeing that play style. And it is actually a different play style in some of those places. Like people play differently and they, they, they use their models in ways that like you wouldn't have expected because people in you know North America have their own kind of, not just a meta in the list perspective, but meta in like the game, how the game is played perspective. Mm-hmm. There's also this weird uh, meta thing right now where we're all geared so hard towards Marines that there's some, matchups that are bad against marines but are good against the rest of us so like an example of that is orcs are in a relatively rough spot because even a bad marine list handles them pretty um, easily unfortunately uh that being said my eldar does wants no part of 200 orc bottles with lutas and shock attack guns <laughs> i'm not i'm just legitimately not interested in playing against that at all if i play against it i'll hope that there's a skill gap between me and my opponent and i'll play really great and then later in the tournament, if I do well, I just won't see them because Marines will eliminate them. Mm-hmm. But there's weird stuff like that where like, and like the new chaos stuff's kind of weird too, Jim, because what we're seeing locally is the new chaos stuff is weirdly good against Marines, but has some rough matchups against some standard lists that aren't as good because Marines exist. Yeah. Yeah. It, and yeah. And, you know, running into like an Anthony Birdsong running orcs at the LVO uh, at round four, is a very real possibility too. Um, so yeah, I'm super excited to see you both perform and play at the LVO and see what narratives unfold. Uh, I think that's pretty much it guys. Thank you so much for coming on. Now I, I want to give Colin um, a bit of a shout out. I already gave one a little earlier on chapter tactics on the 6th of uh, January on Monday. Um, but I kind of wanted to give you a platform because I think what you accomplished Colin, what you guys at Biff and Biff pod and also everyone who showed up, uh, accomplished was extraordinary 
Um, you know, this is only your second year, I believe, running Charity Hammer. Yeah. And and you guys got, you know, five-digit donations. You guys had thousands of people watching live. Um, it was very engaging. Uh, and I, I feel like that kind of full community effort from community leaders is important for a growing 40k competitive community um so why don't you tell everyone a little bit about where they can find you uh what charity hammer is and um tell everyone you know just about charity hammer this year yeah so charity hammer is a annual streaming slumber party from my house basically um next year probably won't be at my house because i think we've outgrown it but the first two years were how many of my friends that are high-ranked competitive 40K players or just incredible advocates um, for the community, how many of them can I get out and how many games can we play? Uh, we start on Friday at 2. We started Friday at 2 o'clock this year and went till Sunday at 6.30. Um, and people, some people barely slept. Uh, there was games going on the entire time over three streams. Uh, and the idea of this is get competitive players in and let them talk about what they're doing uh, the problem with tournament tournament coverage, as cool as it is, is you don't know what the player is thinking. You can't always follow what's happening because you can't hear the players. So we have the players actually talking to the camera, talking to the microphone the entire weekend. And we do all of this to raise money for Child's Play, uh, which is a charity that um, does incredibly great stuff for uh, children in children's hospitals. They provide games and video games and things to keep those kids entertained while they unfortunately have to be in children's hospitals for who knows how long uh the first year we raised sixty seven hundred dollars which we were incredibly proud of jim was there uh the first year as well uh there was i think about 15 of us i think jim that first year that sounds right to me and then uh this year we had about 25 people involved uh and we raised uh just north of twelve thousand dollars for charity so uh that twelve thousand dollars is headed off tomorrow to uh the folks the good folks at child's play um, and we will continue doing this each year. Um, if you want to follow it, uh, it's soon to get social media attention. Uh, my wife, uh, who is much more into social media than me, uh, has been very um, uh, constructive in her criticism of how bad of a social media job I've done. So <laughs> uh, uh, she said, well, you need to do this and you need to do that and you need to do this. And I thought, oh, man, oh, man. OK, yes. Uh, right now, CharityHammer.com is your best place to find out everything. Uh, all of the streams are going to go up on YouTube. Those links will be at charityhammer.com. Uh, we're going to do it again next year. There's some discussion that it might move to another weekend. There's some discussion that it might move to another physical location. Uh, but it will continue to be free for you guys to watch all of this. Um, we love doing it. And uh, I was hoping beyond hope uh, that we'd make $10,000. Uh, $10,000 was the point at which we were allowed to shave Alex McDougall's head. And we made that and we shaved his head on camera um, and not to uh, call him out at all. But he's definitely at the point in life and genetics where the hair will not come back. Oh, no. <laughs> so uh, I think this was a little bit of, of, of Alex admitting defeat on that front. And it happens to it happens to many of us uh, admitting defeat on that front and going with it. Um, and entertainingly, I think universally, Jim, don't you think universally we all thought he looked better afterwards? Yeah, he 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 needed to make his peace with his baldness, and uh, he'd been <laughs> hold, holding holding on to that uh, weird haircut that oh, hit his baldness for far too long. That's but, uh, not he nice. He looks fantastic now. That's not nice. Okay. <laughs> anyway, so uh, shaving Alex's head was great. Uh, next year we have a thing where if we make twenty thousand dollars, there's like five people who are shaving their beards. And many of those beards have not been shaved in like 20 years. So uh, that's, that's, uh, 
that's what's that's what's coming that's what's coming next year. So charityhammer.com. Um and if you'd like to find me, uh I'm Colin Sherman on Facebook. I have a picture of my lab as my picture. Uh and I run Best in Faction, the Best in Faction podcast, uh with my good friends Mitch Pelham and Chuck Arnett. Uh you can find that Facebook.com slash B I F P O D. You can find everything there about us, uh, or just find us wherever you find podcasts. Beautiful. Uh Jim, you just opened a restaurant. I did. Do you have any other plugs other than your restaurant? Uh, no, you can follow me at. Uh, I'm actually about to open a uh, another restaurant in the next four months too. So I'm oh busy my gosh. Boy. Um, but uh, you can follow me at Jimbo V underscore Paints on Instagram. That's where you can kind of follow my hobby exploits and uh, other exploits. Um, yeah, I'm just uh, excited to be going to LVO. Um, you know, I've so so much excitement for the season, and I, I'm really actually glad that Richard is taking the lead because uh the pressure's off you know so i can go in a lot more relaxed and you know now he's the favorite to win so you know i don't you know if i if i underperform or or i get too drunk on one night which is very likely um uh i don't have a lot of pressure to uh to win the whole thing so it's awesome right on and then just so we have uh an embarrassing statement on records about a way too early predictions for top eight and one guaranteed player to make the top eight for for uh, lists or uh, 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 factions, so top eight factions. You don't have to name all top eight players. Although if you did and you got it right, you're a god. Uh, but both of you, top eight. What factions are going to be in the top eight? And then one player that if you had to bet on to make the top eight, who would they be? Uh, do you want to go first, Colin? Uh, I think the faction thing is easier. I think it's going to be uh, four or five marines in the top eight, and I think that they're going to be all imperial fists or iron hands. Wow. Uh, the uh, White Scars and Salamanders and ultra, all that other stuff is nowhere near as good. Um, the Iron Hands and Imperial Fist lists are by far the best things out there. And I think it'll be that dominant. Um, I then think that we'll have um, an Eldar player and a Tau player <laughs> and something else. Like, I think there'll be, I think the other faction, no, actually, maybe the Chaos player. I think that the other ones will be like one of each from three other good factions. And there'll be somebody in that top eight who had a great path, who's got some weird list that nobody understands, and they'll lose the first round of the top eight, but they'll still be really proud of themselves, and it'll be great. <laughs> yeah, and then we'll we'll put them up on a pedestal. Yeah, exactly. That, that happens and, every. And maybe they're. And I'm not saying that they're bad, right? But I, like Jim said earlier, you could win GTs and majors and not be in the top eight. Yeah, I I won a major in I think three GTs this year, and I'm not going to be in the top eight. So like, it's 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 really a who's who. Uh, Player-wise, um, I think that even leaving Tau, that Richard Sigler is some sort of highly efficient 40k robot, and I think he will absolutely be in the top eight. I mm-hmm. think Nick Nanavati will absolutely be in the top eight. The the level at which he's playing his Iron Hands is gross. I played him in the final round of our RTT, and I my strategy did not matter. His his list was so good that I just sat there and played the best I could and lost by eight. Uh, and um, I also think John Lennon makes the top eight. Those would be my three. Ooh. No offense to Jim. He said he's playing Chaos, and I don't think that Jim's Chaos is going to get him to the top eight. Sorry, Ooh. Jim. I, well, fair enough. I, if I was a betting man, which I'm not, um, I would agree with you. I think I think it's going to be. Very, I think there's one Chaos player that's going to make the top eight. Um, I I wouldn't put bets on me, considering I'm very out of practice with yeah. both my list and Warhammer in general. I want to point out that I spent the whole weekend with Jim and I already knew he felt that way. So I wasn't really calling him out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> as far as the other ones, I'm going to, I'm going to say four, 
I guess say five are going to be Marines Imperium. I think I think you might see some Marine lists with some Admech in there, uh, Springs of Admech or or um, uh, Sisters. I think Sisters could be a bit of a dark horse because no one they're very new and I think they have some some tricks that no one really knows yet. Um, and then I would definitely say an Eldar. I I'm gonna I actually think I think Richard will I will 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 play Tau. I think he will. Um, I think, uh, but we'll see. I think I think he's gonna end up. Deciding that it's it's a bad move to to start from scratch, um, so I do think you'll see a Tau, whether it's Richard or Brian or or someone else, and then I also think you'll see uh, uh, one one Xenos could be Orcs or uh, the new Nids, and then as far as the player, uh, I bet you, yeah, I'm gonna say Sean Naden because he's just the most reliable uh, like racehorse that uh, anyone could have, and uh, definitely feeling really good and really proud of. Uh, my man John Lennon, what he's done this year with the Brohammer team, as far as getting those guys at a top level competitively, him, Richard, you know, Ruben Fernandez, uh, Mark Perry, those guys are, are some of the best players and best team in the world, and 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 uh, I know they've been putting in the work. So I, I definitely would see a very strong showing of the Brohammer team. Um, I, I bet you some of them end up playing each other and knock knock some of them themselves out because they're they're all kind of top players. So that would be my uh, prediction. Um, right on. And and as far as Nick, you know, I Nick is Nick is in it to win it. He's had some interesting luck this year. He got knocked out early in Adepticon. He got knocked out early at Nova. Um, he hasn't actually really won any big events this year um, outside of ETC, which is a team event. So you know, I'm I'm looking to Nick to see if he can kind of redeem himself at the end of the season. But if you actually look at his tournament, you know, he's an excellent player, probably the, one of the, the best player that I know by ha- hands down. Not just in his so I'm so this isn't any knock on his skill. But it just seems like he's had a bad run of either bad luck in matchups or bad luck uh, just like just not being able to kind of have that kind of killer finishing instinct in some of the events he's played this year. Um, and I know there's been some drama with some of them, but uh, I'm really interested to see if he can kind of pull it, put it all together for one final kind of uh, run here uh, at the top eight. So Beautiful. Yeah, I, I agree, actually. It's really funny. You know how good Nick is when you call a top four in the ITC and multiple top eight major appearances, but no top, no ma- major wins, like an off year for him. Mm-hmm. That's that would be like a career making year for anyone else. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, I agree with you, Jim. Uh, thank you so much for both of you coming on. Also, listeners, thank you very much. If you're a Patreon listening to this episode a little bit earlier, uh, don't forget to go into the comments and let us know what you think. And also, if you're listening to this episode later on, when it does air later on in the month. Uh, let us know what you think about the chaos, where chaos are, what Eldar are. Uh, also, if you have any questions for Jim and Colin, they're usually pretty pretty active in the comments section on YouTube and on the FrontlineGaming.org website. Uh, thank you both, both very much again for coming on, and as always, have a good one. Bye, guys. Bye.